They're asking for gift cards for our North American missionaries. We're looking for $25 gift cards, either Walmart or Quick Trip. These are going to be the most useful for our North American missionaries. So if you want, you can give the money in the offering and just designate that that's what it's for, and we can pick those up for you. Otherwise, you can put the gift cards uh, give the gift cards to Sister Shepherd, and she will get them to the proper place when we get to ladies' retreat. All right, April 15th, men's prayer at 8 a.m., and it's going to be a breakfast. Brother DeMuth, you're going to cook, going to serve? All right. See him for more details on that. Uh, ladies' meeting at 10 a.m. And then also we are kicking off our next uh, ministry opportunity with giving to Mother's Memorial. We do have pledge cards in the back if you'd like to pick one up and uh, fill that out. But be in prayer. Be mindful of this. Mother's Memorial, there are so many things that um, are benefited from this. Uh, ABLE Ministry, if you've ever heard of that, um, ABLE stands for Accepting, Believing, Loving, and embracing persons with special needs. That ministry helps churches with equipping uh, teachers, equipping the congregation for how to deal with special needs children, uh, young adults. You know, it's a wonderful ministry. Um, Reflections Magazine, North American Missions, Tupelo Children's Mansion, Urshan Graduate School, the World Network of Prayer, just uh, just a few, but you can see the full list on the back of the pledge card. So we will take up that final offering on May 28th. Hallelujah. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. 
With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah. Will that be your answer? Will you trust and obey? Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I submit my will to yours. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, Leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, 
and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's in you I put my trust, Lord. Hallelujah. I lean not unto my own understanding. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. 
the Savior's presence is so near. I can see His smiling face. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. I have found the joy no tongue can tell, how its waves of glory roll. It is like a great overflowing well, springing up within my soul. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning. Of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. And he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing 
of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see and then i cried dear jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood i heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory and i heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. 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 Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. I love those songs. I love those songs about heaven. I really do. Amen. We're all looking for that place. But let me just bring you down to earth a little bit. The stark reality is, is that we're all still stuck in these old clay pots. The stark reality is we're still on this earth. And in as much as we're looking for heaven, we still got a job to do down here. So let's let's stay focused on what we're, our job is right here, knowing we have that hope. The Bible talks about hope, right? And hope maketh not a shame. Hope is an expectation of something to come. You know, I, I don't have to hope anymore that my sons will bring me grandchildren because <laughs> I got seven now. But there was a time where I was hoping that God would make a way for that to happen. Before I left this earth, and he did. So that, that hope was met. But we've got that hope that's not met yet. But that's because he still has us down here. So we're still, we're still on the hook, if you will. For, we've got a job to do. Amen. And, and a couple, few, few services back, I was talking about that flow. And I was talking about that ice that was still over top of that river out there. But yet, yet, though that ice was still there and you could see the eagles just standing on the ice out there, that water underneath was still flowing. Always. That river's always flowing. And I was talking to somebody at district conference and they were telling me that way up there by Iron Mountain, Michigan, there's a spot where the Wisconsin River is about, it's not even as wide as this aisle right here. And it's got a little bridge. You can just kind of walk three steps across the, the Wisconsin River and you're done. But you couldn't do that out here. But you know the amazing thing? That Wisconsin River continues to flow, even while we're talking right now. It's flowing from that spot where before that, probably a trickle somewhere, right? It's still flowing into the Mississippi River. And the Black River's still flowing into the Mississippi River. And the Mississippi River's still flowing all the way down into the Gulf of Mexico. It never stops. It fills up. It goes down. The rains come. And so I feel like that the Lord wants us to just get in the flow. Because we're all sitting here, standing here right now thinking about stuff we got to do today. Where I'm going after service. Where am I going to go eat? What am I going to go do? I got this thing to do. I got to go shopping here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's not get our minds away from this place before God has an opportunity to speak to us today. And so we're going to pray again right now. And I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to pray that God will help you to just lay aside all that stuff. It's still going to be there when I'm done. You're still going to go do those things, but let's focus right now on what's going to happen right now. Because God's got a word for somebody in this service today, right now. And you don't want your mind focused somewhere else and miss what God has for you today. How many wants that? I don't. I don't want to miss what God has for me today. So let's just, let's just close our eyes and block out all the unnecessary stuff. It's just, it seems necessary in the flesh, but it's really not necessary right now. 
And let's just have, just, just have a word of prayer. I'm not asking you to pray over the message. God's already given me what He wants me to say. But I'm asking you to pray over yourself and others that God will just help us to get into that flow of what He's trying to say and do today in this service. Father, we love You. We praise You. We thank You, Jesus, for Your mighty hand, for Your outstretched arm, O God, for Your mercy and for Your grace, O God, for Your loving kindness over us, O God, that You would come before us and in the midst of us, God, to speak a word to us. You've already spoken in this service previous, Lord. You've already spoken. You've already prepared hearts and minds, O God, today, Lord. Help us, O God, to lay aside all the unnecessary things and to focus our mind, our heart, our spirit on what You have for us today. Whatever it is, O oh God, that we would receive it with gladness and singleness of heart, that we would receive your word, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give God a hand right now. Clap our hands and love the Lord right now. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. James chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Those that have Bibles or apps or whatever, I'll give you a second to get there. James chapter 2. If you didn't bring one, let somebody know you don't have a Bible. We'll get you one. We've got Bibles in the back. We'll give you one. Amen? In this day and age of modern technology, there's no reason somebody shouldn't have a Bible on either in physical in their hand or on an app somewhere. There's no reason not to have a Bible. Hallelujah. Most of us have multiple Bibles. Right? I know I had I have a probably a bookshelf full. <laughs> so Amen. Bring your Bible in one form or another to the church. Bring it with you everywhere you go. That's why we you know, that's why we hide the word in our hearts. So when the day comes they take all our Bibles away. We won't need a physical Bible. It's all in, right in here. And if you have the Holy Ghost, God's going to re- bring all things to your remembrance. Can't bring, he can't bring things to your remembrance that you didn't put in there. Right? Can't take money out of the bank that hasn't been deposited. Hallelujah. My brethren, he's talking to us, folks. It's James talking to the church. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, not our faith. It's His faith. We understand that, right? He's letting us use His faith. Because it's the faith of, in prepositional phrase, it's of the Lord Jesus. It belongs to Him. The Lord of glory with respect of persons. Don't exercise His faith and have respect of persons. We all know what that means, right? I don't have to give you a class on what that means, right? For if they come unto your assembly, a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, that doesn't happen today, does it? Oh, absolutely it does. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand over there, and, and sit under my footstool. You filthy, rotten, no good, whatever. That's what we really mean when we say stuff like that. Are you not partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Whoa, what an indictment. Right? 
Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He hath promised to them that love Him? How about the woman with the alabaster box that everybody in the house and everybody in town knew who she was? What kind of lady she was? But Jesus, at the end of that story, said, Everywhere everybody goes from this day forward, we're going to remember that lady. He wrote it. Hearken, my beloved brethren. We'll read that again. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, his kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. He's, he's making a statement. He's not, that's not hyperbole. He's making a statement to church people. You have despised the poor. You might not have done it openly with pe- where people can see it, but you've done it in your mind. You've done it in your spirit. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme or, or malign the worthy name of, the, of him by which you are called? Don't they malign the name of Jesus? They do. If ye fulfill the royal law, according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Nobody hates their self in this room. You shouldn't. You do. You need to get, get before God and pray about it. But if you have respect of persons, here he goes again, bringing it up again. You commit sin. And are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Father, we love you and thank you for this word that you're going to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's talking about his kingdom here in, in uh, John 8, 6, 18, 36, 37 says his kingdom is not of this world. Jesus was talking. He was telling, he was telling the guys that were about to crucify him. My kingdom is not of this world, this world system, this eon as it's called in, in the Greek. It's a heavenly kingdom. We're heavenly beings. We're spiritual beings. Does everybody understand that? I know we're natural beings. I got flesh and bones and my left arm hurts because I got some stuff going on in there. And, and we got aches and pains, but we're spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. The spirit, the human spirit that's in us was put there by God. The Bible said he breathed into us the breath of life. That's that human spirit. That same human spirit that can be tempted to sin, can be tempted to have a wrong attitude, a wrong spirit, wrong motive. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this thought. What have you done for the kingdom lately? What have you done for the kingdom lately? So a while back, a couple of years ago, I was reading this audio book. I know that sounds funny. <laughs> I'm not a great reader, but I can listen to an audio book while I'm driving. And so I was listening to this audio book about spiritual authority. And this guy that wrote this book, his wife is a psychologist. So he got a lot of material when he would go to these conferences that his wife would go to, all these psychologists showing up for a conference, and he'd just sit around and listen. He, he, gathered, he got a lot of insight from a spiritual standpoint about humanity and how 
humans think and how psychologists deal with all that stuff. But one of the things that he talked about in the book was that his wife had this one patient that was always coming to her about all this going on in their life with depression and, oh, poor me, feeling sorry for myself. My dad used to say, quit crying, oh, poor me, and get out there and do something when I was a kid. And so this this guy's wife finally told this person, said, look, here's what you do. You go home. When you start feeling that way, he said, you get, you get up, you go to your closet, you get your coat, you go out the door, lock the door, and you go find somebody to do something for. Go help somebody. And you know what she, she said to this person? She said, if you'll do that, after a little while, you'll forget all about your, all, all your aches and pains and moans and groans and all your oh, poor me business going on, and you'll, you'll start feeling a lot better about what you're doing and about yourself. And I, I heard that, and I went, wow. <laughs> that one guy, that one story in that book could have saved a whole lot of people a whole lot of money at the, doctor, at the psychologist's office. If we would just go minister to somebody else, maybe that's why Jesus never had any psychological problems. Because he was always helping everybody. Oh, no, 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 Jesus, don't touch that leper. You'll get... Oh, too late. He touched him. Now, I have to believe that Jesus, as he was reaching to touch that leper, within micromillimeters, if there's such a thing, he was healed before Jesus' hand ever touched him. But it wouldn't have mattered if he was. Jesus didn't care. What, what did he do when he ministered to people? He didn't go over there and lay hands on them and start preaching the gospel to them. No. He went and ministered to them. them. He clothed them. He, he put mud balls and spit in their eye and gave them a new eye and all this kind of stuff. He ministered to the physical body first. Because people don't really give how much you know until they know how much you care. You can fill in the give up part. They don't. You can try to impress people with your Bible knowledge. You can try to impress people with how intellectual you are. You can try to impress people with all the stuff you've done. But they don't care. Sadly, we live in a world of what's in it for me. And so, you know, that's an opportunity, really. Oh, oh, what's in it for you? Here, let me tell you. Matter of fact, let me go buy you breakfast. You know, that can really go somewhere. We got a Nam pastor who was going to a coffee shop teaching Bible studies. Just went in there and said to the owner, hey, can I mind if I have a couple of tables over here teaching Bible studies? So he did for a while, and they would go in there and buy the coffee and, you know, whatever for the people they were teaching Bible. They were investing their out of their wallet into this. And so by and by, as he was doing this, the owner would come over and just stand around the table and talk. Hey, hey you know, how's it going? Okay. And so a little, you know, couple months go by, and next thing you know, this guy's coming over and sitting down next to this pastor. Next thing you know, he's teaching him a Bible study. Next thing that happens, he and his wife are getting baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. This is how this can progress. 
And then one day he's sitting over there and the owner walks over to him and hands him a gift card and says, here, there's $200 on there. I'm buying the coffee from now on. And when this runs out, come see me. I'll fill it back up. Then the next week he come over with another gift card and said, here, here's one with $100 on it. Give it to your wife because I know you all are in here separate sometimes. And when that one empties out, I'll fill that one up too. That didn't all just happen in a week. It took a lot of time. It took months, maybe a year, I don't know. But you see how, how things can progress. If we'll just go do the, the little thing that God asks us to do, He'll bless it. Just go there to the coffee shop and, teach, and sit there. And if you don't have a Bible study, just sit there and God will send you somebody. And it'll, it'll progress into something like that. And now that business owner is telling other business owners. Because <laughs> he's a business owner. And so it's just ballooning. And that's not whatever that guy intended. That word partial in the James chapter 2 verse 4, it's, it's denoting separation. It's, it's to distinguish, to decide, to judge, to separate throughout completely. So we, it says in here particularly in the Greek to separate oneself from. So that's what we're doing when we look at an individual who was made in the image of God and we begin to pass judgment on them. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, yes, you are. Well, look at their clothes. Let me see. What kind of person? We're, 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 like, we're kind of sizing them up, aren't we, in our mind? We don't even realize we're doing it sometimes. If you've been doing it for a long time, it's just like a second. You don't even think about it. And that scripture that says, And on some in Jude have compassion, making a difference. It's talking about non-Christians. It's talking about those people. Those, those people out there. And they can fall in any category, can't they? Rich. You know, you go up to Walmart there, turn in your Walmart, and you got that country club on the right. You go back there, man, we could put several of our houses inside of one of those houses. I've been in some of those houses. They're huge. They're just, they're ungodly huge. It's like, who? Three people live there. <laughs> it's got 14 rooms. It's like, what do you need that much house for? But that's, that's those people. And they're... They're just like the guy that's living under the viaduct. They need Jesus. They need God. They got, they got issues in their life. Their issues might be they don't, they're counting every penny and they're afraid they're going to lose one. My mom used to say that this when she worked as a teller, she said this one guy had more money than he knew what to do with. And he was the one guy that would come into her window and just grumble and complain all the time. And she would just stand there across from her window like, what is your problem? She didn't, she was thinking it. She wasn't saying it. That's her customer. But the guy that was making $20 an hour, which seems like a lot, but it ain't, he never grumbled or complained. Always had a smile on his face, thankful for what he did have. So you see how we, we got to be careful judging what by what this our peepers see. You can't, you don't know. Oh, anything about that person's life? What you don't? You haven't walked in their shoes a second. 
and they come in our church. And we're deciding before they even get to the pew they're going to sit in, if, is that one that I would consider teaching a Bible study to? Or am I going to argue and, hey, brother, why don't you do it? <laughs> wow, right? We've got to be careful about being partial in ourselves. What, are, what have you done for the kingdom lately? It's, it kind of lends itself towards that word that we hear a lot today called discrimination. Anybody ever heard that word? We discriminate in our mind. We do. You can sit there and deny it if you want, but you do it. If you're human, if you're breathing, if you're sitting in front of me and and your ears are working, you do it. You just don't realize you're doing it. I do it. And I have to ask God and thank God for the power of conviction. I love that. When, I, when God starts convicting me about that, I am just like, oh, God, forgive me. That's a soul. That guy that just cut me off. That guy that just put his, one of his fingers in the window. That's a soul. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what, how mad they are. I represent you. Don't let me be a stumbling block and a hindrance to them. Because I want to get mad like them. Don't, don't get sucked into that. One, one definition of that word partial means to judge. He who decides a judge. One who passes, Strong's Greek lexicon says, one who passes or arrogates to himself judgment on anything. Who made us a righteous judge of anybody? No one. I heard Brother Hoffman say one time, we're not in the judgment seat. That's his job. Stay out of the judgment seat. Our job on this earth, is to love people of all races, nationalities, color, religion, sexual orientation, or whatever. The least expanded New Testament translation says in verse 4, Are you not divided in your own mind, expressing a doubt as to the requirements of faith that you have in the Lord Jesus and have become judges with pernicious thoughts? Not going into a definition of pernicious. You look it up. Amplified Bible says, Are you not discriminating among your own and becoming critics and judges with wrong motives? So God cares about motive. Right? Motive. What's your motive for doing something? Thinking something? Saying something? About another individual who was made in the image of God. And I'm sorry, but James said it. I didn't. If, you're, if you fall into that category, you're committing sin. That's what James said. Take it up with him. Temporary English version, verse 1 through 4 of James 2 says, My friends, if you have faith in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you, don't, you won't treat some people better than others. Suppose a rich person wearing fancy clothes and a gold ring comes to one of your meetings, and suppose a poor person dressed in worn-out clothes also comes. This is a little more plain, isn't it? You must not give the best seat to the one with the fancy clothes and tell the one who is poor to stand at the side and sit, or sit on the floor. That is the same as saying that some people are better than others, and you would be acting like a crooked judge. Ugh. Wow. Mark 12, 1 through 9, the Bible talks about the parable of the vineyard. We're not going to go there. 
Or maybe we are. No, we're not. I don't have. I didn't. Th- I don't think I put that on there, did I, Ryan? No. It's just I want to talk about it. Mark twelve one through nine. We're not going to read it. Anyway, it talks about the parable of the vine, the vine, the vineyard, and the vine dressers, right? So what what happens in that scenario? The vine, the vine, the, vine, the owner of the vineyard goes out and he he plants a vineyard and he digs a, a ditch for his, you know, to to make the grapes and the wine and all that stuff and he. He hires vine dressers. What's a vine dresser? Tenant farmer? Somebody going to take care of my stuff while I go out of town. And so he, these guys do their job, and so they're, he knows he's a, he, he's a vineyardsman. He knows when the season is for the, the grapes to become ripe, and so he knows when the harvest is. Jesus knows when the harvest is. We're just vine dressers. We're just... Tenant farmers, we're down here taking care of his kingdom. He's the head, we're the body, right? We're the, one, we're the workers in the field, whether we were hired last month or yesterday. We're the laborers in the field. And so he sends his servants, and each one of them, they either kill him or they hurt him real bad and send him on their way. So finally, what does he do? He sends his son, his only son. Surely they'll respect my son. So what do these guys do? They kill him. And then what do they say? If we kill him, then we'll inherit the vineyard. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Beep, beep. Back up the bus. How ludicrous is that? For the tenant farmers to even think like that. You're not even related to this guy. And you think by killing the son, you're going to inherit the vineyard? And that you're just going to kill his son and nothing's going to happen? (laughs) So what happened to those guys? They were taken out. He said, I'll go find some more vine dressers that are more honest. So what have we done for the kingdom lately? They weren't thinking about the kingdom. What were they thinking about? Are we capable of that? Everybody say, do this. Yes, we're capable of being selfish. Absolutely. I wanted that piece of cake. I wanted that last donut. Right? Right? Am I telling the truth? Come on. That was my piece of cake. (laughs) Wow. Anybody ever went out and bought a really, really, really good cut of meat? Like this brother, brother uh, Ruiz, we were with them Friday, and he was talking about when they were in Poland. They went to this restaurant, and they had these, what was that steak called? Where'd my wife go? She's gone. It was like, uh, it was some cut of meat that was like two pounds. And so they were eating all these MREs, and he said they finally went out and went to found this steak house in Krakow, Poland. And they all got this great, big, humongous steak and all this food. And he said it was so good. And he said they didn't even feel full after that. What's the point, Brother Demuth? Well, would you go out and buy a cut of steak like that and stick it in the back of your refrigerator and forget about it for seven years? Or forget about it for two years? A year? Three years? If, you, if you're a type of person that puts a lot of stuff in your refrigerator, you might accidentally forget about it being in there. So what, 
All of a sudden, one day, your wife's cleaning the refrigerator out, and you find that cut of meat back there, and you're going, man, I remember when I bought that T-bone. Let's pull that thing out and cook it and eat it. No. You wouldn't do that. Why? Why wouldn't you do that? It's rotten. It's not even red anymore. It's gray, right? So that cut of meat can be like our thinking, can it? We can, we can take on some thinking. Let's call it stinky thinking. We can get some stuff stuck in our mind, in our refrigerator, if you will, that just sits there. And we don't do anything with it. And you can go on through your whole life with wrong thinking. Oh, no. Brother Demuth, not as an apostolic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what happens one day when somebody gets up to preach or somebody's talking to you and all of a sudden they say something and it's just like a light comes on and revelation hits you and you go, wait a minute. That's some messed up thinking I got. What you going to do with that? Go hang on to it? Or are you going to get rid of it? Time to recycle that thing. Get it out of there. So maybe, if in that scenario, maybe God's trying to help you. Switch your thinking. Because whatever you've been thinking up to that point is like that old nasty meat. It's been holding you back. And God's wanting to do a new thing. Can I say Asbury College? <laughs> that is, that's reminiscent of what was happening back in the day in the 60s, right? When all the Jesus movement was happening and people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost in Catholic churches. And people, our people in Pentecost were like, oh my goodness, that's, that's wildfire. No, that's God. And now that starts happening now, we all start going, oh, but what if that's God doing that? I don't want to push it away. I want that to come here to Wisconsin. I want that to come here to La Crosse. I want to see that happening over here on the campuses, all around us. If God can stir up hungry people that don't know there's a Holy Ghost, that, you know, there was people in the Bible like that. Go read Acts 19. <laughs> that one preacher, Brother Fish, that went there to Asbury, that's exactly where he went when he stood out in that crowd of people on that campus. He went right to Acts 19. And by the time he was done, people were grabbing his hand and putting it on, his, on their head and saying, pray for me next. I want the Holy Ghost. No Bible study. No church service. Just some singing. And a man talking about Acts 19, 1 and 2. God can do that. He will do that. If he sees hunger and thirst and desire. Isn't repentance a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction? Isn't that what it is? I'm, that's correct. And so repentance is something we do when we feel the conviction of God and we're, we're, we're a sinner and, and we just, we just, we're tired of living our life like we're living it. And we just, we hear the voice of God. We feel that we, something happens. You, you can all go back there right now in your mind to that place where you first repented and turned your life over to God, right? 
I can go right to that place. Is that the last and only time you ever repent? Is that the last and only time that there's ever a change of mind, heart, and direction in your life? It can't be. Because for most people, God doesn't take all that stuff away from you immediately. He didn't for me. It took me two years for God to deal with some stuff and get me to release some stuff to him. He didn't just come yank it out of me. I had to release it willingly. Desires and things that I was doing. And, and, and that's the way it should happen. I, I, you know, when we first got in church, I, went, I wanted to go tell my wife just, just run down the whole gamut of the list of all the rules and regulations and tell her what she could do and couldn't do and what she could wear and couldn't wear. And by the grace and mercy of God, I said that, that I was going to do that out loud in front of the pastor. <laughs> At which point he said, oh, Brother Demuth, let's go sit down and talk for a minute. And he advised me not to do that to the glory of God. Because I would have ruined that whole situation if I'd have done that, right? Because she would have just, just pushed back on that and said, forget that noise. I don't need that. But you know what? That was the best advice I ever got, I think. Because God took care of that. And the day she was walking out of our house with all her pants on hangers that still had tags on them from the PX, I was shouting on the inside. I wasn't doing that loud in front of her. But I was shouting on the inside, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for doing that. So... This change of mind, heart, and direction, this repentance is an ongoing thing. It's a process. Is it possible for creep, for things like stinking thinking and, and wrong motives and attitudes, able, is that stuff able to creep back into our life if we're not keeping our garden cleaned out? If you don't weed a garden, what's going to happen? The weeds are going to take over. And then pretty soon when the weeds start taking over, now the plants aren't even growing right because they're being choked by those weeds. And if something's not green and growing, what is it? It's ripe and rotting. So I got to keep my garden cleaned out. I got to make sure that my attitudes and my motives and, and everything and my expectations of God and all that stuff, I got to make sure that I keep myself right in the eyes of God. Because it's all about pleasing Him, isn't it? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you show yourself. When we had to report to the company commander, that's what you were doing. You're presenting yourself before the company commander. You go in the, in the room and you stand there and salute and report. Or whoever, right? You're, you're standing there putting yourself in, in their judgment and in their, in their realm, if you will, right? So that's what we're doing. Present our bodies. A living sacrifice, something burned on an altar is what a living sacrifice, right? That's what a sacrifice is. Put something on the altar, right? And it says present our bodies. 
not our minds, not anything else, our bodies, the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto who? God. That which God recognizes and accepts. Does God just automatically accept our accept us because we're just standing there? I need, I don't know about you, but I need I I need a word from God that what I'm bringing to Him is acceptable. That's how they did it in the Old Testament. That's how they knew if God accepted their sacrifice. That's what they were looking for, right? Which is your reasonable. It's a reasonable expectation, isn't it? Is it reasonable for the one who died on a cross and shed his blood and took that beating for us to expect us to present ourselves to him every day? It's more than reasonable. It's his kingdom. It's not ours. We're the servants. We're the, we are the ones. We're, we're his. He's the king over the kingdom and we are his subjects. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, not to man, but to God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God might not be according to your will. And if you're really following the will of God, it's not going to be according to your will. It's not going to be comfortable. If you're really seeking the will of God, it's going to be against Everything in your human body, that your human mind that you count as, that you can intellectually understand. Paul did not, so I, I believe, this is my opinion, okay? Paul did not feel like he was in the will of God sometimes because of all the hell he was going through. The beatings and all the jail. But at the end of the day, what did he say? I, I can't, all this stuff is done. All that I've had to go through, all of he lost everything. He lost his career, he lost everything. For the kingdom. For the will of God in his life. That word conformed in the complete word study Bible says, and it's an expanded rendering, might read, stop being molded in the external and fleeting fashions of this age, but undergo a deep inner change. And that word is metamorphoso. Something like that. Best I can do. Such a transformation can only be wrought by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. It's something that you allow God to do in you and through you. You just present yourself. He does the work in us. I couldn't save myself before. What makes me think I can take over now? It's going to be a mess if I take back over. Please, Jesus, take the wheel and keep your hands on it. I don't even want to try to help you drive. Just smack me if I try to reach over there and touch the wheel, please. Right? That word conform... Um, I already read that. That, that word... Um, that it, it age is aeon, which is the age referring to... This is the age that we're living in. It's not the same age that they lived in 100 years ago. It's a different age. It's different. People are thinking different now. And so we, we have to keep ourselves in line with him. This, this line straight up and down between us and God, we've got to keep that clear. So that we can, hear, we can get in that flow and hear from God. Transformed. Love that word. Metamorpho. Change after being with is part of meta. 
And morpho is changing from changing form in keeping with inner reality. So properly, it means transformed after being with transfigured. Transformed after being with whom? Who is doing the transforming? He is. <laughs> We're just the clay on the wheel. The clay doesn't say to the potter, make me this way. I think, Jesus, I think I'd like to be this kind of pot. Well, that's nice. I'm going to make you this kind of pot. But I don't want to be that kind of pot. Too bad. If you're submitting to my will, you're going to be this kind of pot. This is what I, my design for you is. You're going to work and operate in this way. That's submitting yourself to the will of God. You might, you might look at that other pot over there and say, why can't I be like that pot over there? Because that's not what Jesus called you to do. Transformed is a verb. We all know what a verb is, right? It's an action word. Denotes action, right? In this case, it denotes a state of continuing action. It's perpetual. It doesn't just, it's not a one-time event. It's in a process. So being transformed is not an event. Right? It's a process. Everybody in this room is still being transformed right now. Whether you acknowledge or not, whether you like it or not, you're being transformed. And to the level that you push back against that, you're only hurting yourself. I don't know about you, but I want to be transformed. What did Paul say? Till Christ be formed in you? Is Christ done being formed in any of us yet? I don't know if y'all were here when we heard that Jeremy Painter guy. Wow. That <laughs> dude. You don't have a face until you get up there. If you didn't get to hear that, you need to go hear that. Until we get a face, I think is what it was called or something like that. We're just faceless people. We're just made in His image. That's our face. Our face is Jesus Christ. That's who we need to be to those people in that coffee shop, to that owner of that coffee shop, to that guy that's on the viaduct, to that guy that lives in the rich neighborhood. That's the kingdom. Transfigure is another variation of that word transform, and it means to change into another form. I'm not the man I used to be, right? We're not who we used to be. Even tomorrow, I don't want to be what I was today. Keep working on me, God. Keep transforming me. Keep helping me to shed some more things. Keep cutting away. Keep you know, you, this time of year, all the hostas and all that stuff that died last winter, everybody, once it gets warm enough, is going to go out and pull all the dead stuff out and all the new stuff is going to start popping through the ground, isn't it? But you've got to get the dead stuff out of there. And some, some flowering plants, you've got to cut them down literally almost to the ground for them to bloom and blossom and be beautiful again. Vine, people that grow grapevines don't even leave the same vines on the on the thing anymore at the end of the season, they cut it back to the ground so the brand new vines come out. Why do they do that? 
Can't those same vines that were there from last year grow grapes? Oh, yeah, they can. But they're not going to be as sweet as last year's grapes because that's last year's wood. So they cut it all back so that brand new vines grow out so that the grapes are sweeter. So we need God to be cutting at us all the time. Because I don't know about you, I want to be busy about my Father's business in the kingdom. And I don't want to... I don't want to be stuck with old thinking. I don't want to be stuck with stuff that's just keeping me, holding me back from all that God has for me to do. And I'm sorry, I'm not picking on old people because I am one. Not as old as some of you. I know. I'm getting there. Not, I'm not in a big rush. I'll get there. If the Lord tarries, I'll get there without doing anything. Just thank God I'm living, right? He's always saying, never get old. Well, the, op- the, op- the alternative to that is the grave. And I'd take that too, Brother, pa- brother, brother Pastor, Brother Becker. I'd take that too. Take me to be with Jesus. I'll just I'll be up there when waiting for y'all. But, you know, we got a Nam pastor in a town in Wisconsin that is 76 years old. And he's only been a Nam pastor for like three years. At 70-something years old, he started a church. What was he thinking? He wasn't. He wasn't thinking. God spoke to him and told him to do that. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't turn into a, a Moses and start going, Yeah, but God, don't you know I'm 72 years old? Yeah, but God, don't you know I have aches and pains? Yeah, but God, isn't this something for a younger man? Yeah, but God, he didn't do any of that. What did he do? He's pastoring a church right now. He just had back surgery. He's not even trying to use that to get out of it. (laughs) So, we don't have an excuse. We don't have an excuse. You're trying to tell God his business when you say, I'm just too old. Who? <laughs> Look at Abraham having a baby at 100. <laughs> How is that fair? There's a principle in all of that. You're not done till God says you're done. You're not done in the kingdom till God says you're done. Get that R word out of your head. What R word am I talking about? Retirement. Don't retire up here. Yeah, I know. Like God doesn't know that Brother Thomas has physical problems and and age. Like like he has to tell, oh God, oh thanks for reminding me. I'm sorry, Brother Thomas, what was I thinking? That's not what God said. It's, It's to whomsoever will. You make yourself available. God will use you to do things that you never thought you could do. Matter of fact, He'll use you to do things that you'll say, there's no way I can do that, God, without you. And that's why He says, I know. (laughs) That's why I'm asking you to do it so I can get the glory. He knows everybody's going to look at you and say, why is that old man pastoring a church? (laughs) Right? Right? Crazy stuff, isn't it? 
1 Corinthians 11.27-33 speaks of receiving communion and the idea of examining ourselves to make sure that we aren't eating and drinking unworthily, right? We just had a communion service at the district conference. and This is not just a communion service, though. This scripture is not just talking about communion, right? We should be in constant examination of ourselves on a daily, hourly, moment-by-moment basis. God, is my motives right? Lord, help me to know if if my thinking is stinking. Please, don't let me go down the wrong road, God. Just don't leave me here hanging. Help me out. I got to know. We need to constantly be examining our motives, our actions, our thoughts, our opinions of ourselves and others. Because the people in this world that are right outside the doors of this building are made in the image and likeness of the same God we are. And they deserve at least an opportunity to hear the gospel. And it's not right for us to just sit back in this building and say, well, bless God, they're on their own. We've got a pastor in our district that's feeding rough, that's putting out, that's distributing roughly about 7,000 pounds. I'm saying, I'll say it again, 7,000 pounds of food a week right now. Weekly, distributing to people that don't have enough food. A pastor, and it's not a big church, distributing 7,000 pounds of food a week. He's got grown kids and some grandkids and a wife and a church and a house and all this stuff. And do you know that that's a lot of work? That's a lot of inconvenience. You have to devote time to that on top of being ready to preach and pastor and minister to the people in your church and Bible studies and all this other stuff that's going on. Why in the name of God would somebody take on something like that? Because God told him to do it. And God's making a way. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? He's ministering to the physical needs of people in his community through giving that food away and delivering it and providing it. Don't you think for a second that God knew that when he did that, that that was going to open up umpteen multiple opportunities? Because once you're ministering to people in their physical, that opens the whole door up to ministering to them spiritually. And they're going to be very willing to listen to what this man and his people have to say. Aren't they? Wouldn't you? And those people are feeding me. He's going to reap from that. Rewards that he had never thought about. Just being obedient to God. And he could have argued with God and said, That's a lot of work, God. And I got grandkids. And I, 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 I. But he didn't. He just said, Okay, let's do this. And there's hoops to jump through when you're delivering food and handling food. There's right and wrong ways to do it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So he's got to go through all, jump through all the hoops of the government and, you know, the inspections, blah, 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 blah. So it's not that easy. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem like it. it's not as simple as it seems. But he's doing it. And he could just be grumbling and complaining. Why are you asking me to do this, God? Well, there's that wrong motive and attitude. 
Oh, God, what an honor. What a privilege it is that you ask me to do that. My king came to me, one of his lowly servants, and asked me to do something great in the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. What if, where I, why am I still standing here? Right? What have you done for the kingdom lately? We've got a pastor in this district that has such a Bible study culture in his church that when new people come to the church and he's teaching six or seven personal Bible studies on his own plus one on a Zoom call with 10 or 20 people and his wife teaching separate Bible studies from him, but somebody new comes into their church He's got three couples that come to the front and are arguing with each other over who's going to get to teach the Bible study to that new couple. Literally almost fighting over them. Can you imagine that? (laughs) When I heard that, I thought he was just telling me a story, but it it really happens. And he has to like, okay, 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 okay. you, You all are teaching. Okay, you haven't taught one in a while. Here, I'll give them to you. They're fighting over who's going to get to teach the Bible study. Is that a good problem to have? Is that the kind of Bible, is that the kind of culture we'd like to have in our church? People in leadership in his church, if they aren't teaching a minimum of two Bible studies, they don't get a paycheck if they're on the on the payroll of the church. And that's written into their job description. <laughs> you imagine that? A pastor requiring you to teach two Bible studies? We shouldn't have to have a pastor to require us to do anything. We should understand that that's what we're called to do. You know, those people on that day of Pentecost, anybody ever seen a Billy Graham video of a Billy Graham, on Billy Graham, uh, Billy Cole, sorry, Billy Cole crusade? Hundreds of thousands, there's pictures out there on the web. They had to, like, take a picture of this and a picture here. Before they had these fancy cameras, they had to, like, put the three pictures together. Hundreds and thousands of people just see a people. And Brother Cole just preaches, and then he, he walks them through receiving the Holy Ghost, and then it's just like waves, and there's a cloud in one of the pictures where just the Holy Ghost is there. Wow. Phew. So imagine that same scenario on the day of Pentecost. Because what was the day of Pentecost? It's a Jewish, Jewish celebration, right? Feast of Harvest, right? So it says in the, in the book of Acts chapter 2 around verse 9 or 10, it talks about all the people from all over the place that were there. They were all Jews and it said proselytes, so people that wanted to be Jews, I guess. So there was probably, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people were there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost just for that Jewish celebration, right? They all came like, anybody ever seen pictures of Mecca? When all the Muslims meet there, they're getting ready to do that. It started last week, Ramadan. They all go to that black stone in the middle of Mecca and they all meet there and it's just like just people, wall-to-wall people, right? So this was wall-to-wall people on the day of Pentecost. So you think about this. Let's break this down a little bit. Wall-to-wall people, you got, everybody had, everybody knew each other, right? They all had neighbors. 
So everybody's traveling. Most people travel by foot. So everybody's walking and talking and they're carrying on and they're all in the big crowd, right? And the Holy Ghost starts falling. Poof. And that one gets the Holy Ghost. And one over here gets the Holy Ghost. Only 3,000 out of that crowd. Well, there was people in that crowd that, eh, you know, they were kind of like, eh, and they turned around and walked home. Right? Can you see? Can you imagine that scenario? Because they did. There's only 3,000 that were added to the church that day, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? So when down further down in the book of Acts, when it says they went from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship, the breaking bread part was talking about the Word of God. Well, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Exploring God's Word Bible study chart. They didn't even have Scripture in their hand. They just had their experience and what few Scriptures they might have known from memory because there was no written. Most people couldn't read. So when they went from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship and the Lord gave them favor and, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, well, how was that happening? Well, if I had a neighbor, if Brother Becker and I lived next door to each other and I was one that received the Holy Ghost and he was the one that went, eh, and went home, who do you think I'm going to go see first? My neighbor that I see at the, shop, at the shopping center every day, buying my meat, buying my groceries. I'm going to go straight to him and go, hey, I saw you there at the, at the day of Pentecost, and I, I turned around and you were gone, and I was going to tell you all about what just happened to me, and there you were gone. And so I'm, I'm here now because I want to tell you about what happened. Isn't that, can you imagine that? That's, that's the scenario I imagine. I'm going to go to the clo- people closest to me, my neighbors, and I'm going to start telling them the testimony of what happened to me, and maybe God healed them or something. I don't know. But something, we're just not going to, it's not like we imagine it today. Just, just blindly going knocking on doors of people, total strangers. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not how it was. They went to people they knew. Because everybody was close-knit in those communities, right? All those, you, you look in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 9. It's all those Libya and all those countries. They, they traveled, some of them, a long way. And so some of these people had to travel a long way just to go take their story of the gospel to their friend, their neighbor, their family member, whoever it was that turned around and walked away and said, that's not for me. They weren't willing to accept that as the final decision. They were willing to go out of their way to go to that family member, that friend, and say, look, you've got to hear this. Maybe the second time around they'll get it. Some people teach Bible studies for two years before it finally clicks. So you can't give up. So that's, that's what I'm saying is that what we need to be doing is not being in this room as a general rule. We need to be out there. And the Lord has dealt with me about this. And come Monday, I'm putting an ad in the paper in Sparta. And that ad's going to say, Genesis, free Bible studies, Genesis to Revelation, we cover it all. Because that's what one of our home missionaries has done everywhere he's gone. And everywhere he's gone, he's always gotten responses to that. And he's in the middle of teaching a Bible study right now from somebody that called that, his phone number off of that ad. And she, she's on her way to getting the Holy Ghost. But you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> God knows what he's doing, Brother Barbie. 
He brought you to Sparta. And now we got brother and sister Ruiz living in Sparta. And he and I were talking the other day. He's just itching to teach a Bible study. He's kind of doing like you were doing in Okinawa. He's starting something on the base over there and bringing food. He's going to prompt them with a, however way he can think of. But he's going to get them in a room and he's going to start talking to them. And it's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen in Sparta. It's going to happen. I'm not a prophet, but it's going to happen. Because you, you, go, you do what God tells you to do. You do the little thing God tells you to do, and then he'll bless that. <clears throat> Matthew seven twenty one to 23. I love this scripture. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, Jesus talking, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not your own will. The will of the Father. Period. Jesus is talking about saved people here. Apostolic people. How do I know that? Keep reading. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Prophesied means to preach or proclaim. So that can mean anybody in this room. New convert, doesn't matter. On the day of Pentecost, guess what? Even the disciples. (laughs) They were all new converts. Even the guys in charge were new converts. New converts went from house to house. In thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils. You can't cast out devils without the Spirit, can you? Is that true? I know it's true because the Bible said some guys tried that. We adjure you by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Get out of him. And what happened to them guys? They got chased off naked. (laughs) <laughs> ripped to shreds, torn, yeah, I mean, you know. So this is talking to Holy Ghost filled, in my opinion, water baptized people in the name and done many wonderful works. Didn't Jesus say that we would do greater works than he did? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I, we never had an approved relationship together. That's what that means. Depart from me. This is Jesus. He's going to be the judge that we're going to see, right? On great white throne judgment. Ye that work iniquity. doesn't say ye that worked iniquity, past tense. It says present tense, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, and He shall sit upon the throne of His glory, before Him shall be gathered all nations, and and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, and the goats on His left. Right hand is the side of honor on the throne, right? Left hand is not. Let's say it that way. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. Some hungry people in this world, folks. Not just physically hungry. There's, some, there's people that are hungry for the gospel right now in this city. They're just waiting for one of us to show up. 
I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when was it, when, when saw we ye hungry and fed thee and thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came to thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it, under one of the least of these, my he, Jesus calls them my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil. Key, key right there. Everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Not for us. Not for them out there. Why are we wishing those people into hell? By doing nothing. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they answer and say unto him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them and say, Verily, I say unto you, Verily is a very emphatic, you better pay attention to what I'm about to say. That's Jesus saying. When Jesus said verily in the Bible, this is serious. Like I was telling the kids downstairs when I was going through military training and, and they came to a point in our training, the guy would, the instructor would stomp on the floor, beat on the board like, pay attention right here. This is important. Put this in your notes. Then, then shall he answer saying, verily I say unto thee, inasmuch as you did it not. Just a simple act of not doing something. To one of the least, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. I never did like punishment. I don't like it now. What do you mean, Brother Demuth? Sometimes the Lord has to correct us. The Bible says that if he, does, if he can't correct us, that we are bastards and not sons. Don't want to get to the place where God can't deal with you and correct you. You don't want to go there. I don't want to be called a bastard and not a son. I don't want to go to this place right here where it says everlasting punishment. Study the word everlasting. Let's flip it around. Lasting forever. You're never going to get out of there once you get there. Ever. But the righteous unto life eternal. Let's all stand. Oh, Jesus.